Welcome to the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast, bringing you weekly discussions designed to help you grow your business and create the lifestyle you desire. Elevate your business with proven strategies from CPAs and business advisors. We discuss real-world challenges solved with actionable steps that get you real results, both in business and building the life you desire. tuning in to episode number 85 of the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast brought to you by PJS and Co. CPAs. I'm your host, Megan Spicer, and today we're talking about financial modeling and related KPIs. This is actually the first episode that we're discussing this topic about financial modeling, and it's something that's really crucial to just the overall health of your business and where you're going. So in order to help me understand this topic and better educate you all. I have with me Katina Peters, partner here at PJS and Co CPAs. How are you doing this morning? Hi Megan, doing well. Um, you know, I always get excited about our topics because I'm kind of a nerd. <laughs> so, it's, I like this uh, financial modeling uh, topic. I think it's uh, not a very little understood um subject. So, I think that you know, kind of giving people a little bit more information around it and what it all means and how it can be really impactful to your business is is important. So, I'm excited to to talk about that and have our listeners know a little bit more. Yeah, I'm excited about this too, because even as we were going through it, and I've worked with you all for, what, six years now, and I was still learning things about what a financial model is and understanding better how to use it in a business. And, um, you know, that was even just putting the outline together. So I'm sure there's even more that I'll learn today in talking with you. So I'm excited as well um, to share this with our listeners, because I think it's something that you maybe under- think you understand what it is, but there's aspects of it that you don't understand maybe how to use it or when to use it or when to revise it. You know, there's all these different questions that I think can come about when talking about it. So, yeah. And I think it, lots of times it gets mi- mixed up with the budget. A model, yep. of, well, what's the difference between a model and a budget? So we'll, you'll be talking about that a little bit too, because I think that's probably the most common thing I hear that, you know, kind of people think budget um, when it's not, it helps with your budget, but it's not the same thing. So, Right. Yeah, I agree. So before we get into this, we always like to start with the why, right? We want to understand why is this important? Why are we talking about this today? Yeah. Why should I be listening to you? Yep. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> why does this matter? Right. Yeah. So I mean, it's, you know, like I said, it helps with budgeting. But So basically, if we just step back for a minute, we're looking at you know, first of all, the financial viability of a business, like what are all the inputs? What does it take to run the business? How are we pricing things? We want to overall put this together. So in in that way, it looks like a budget kind of because it does have a lot of the same inputs, revenue, people, expenses, etc. In that and that all is taken into consideration. But what we're doing is creating a model. If we have this business and it's doing X and we're paying our people this and kind of building it up from the bottom and looking at it from that perspective is, first of all, do I have a model that's a sustainable business model? The way that I'm planning to run this business and how I'm planning to do things, you know, we want to proactively put that out there and look at it <laughs> and see, does this work? Because there are people out there, you know, trying really, really hard and putting a lot of their heart and soul into running a business that's not in a very sustainable model. And they need to step back and look at it 
and figure out, okay, this is not a very sustainable model. How can I make it a, a really sustainable and successful model? What changes do I need to make? So I think that's the first step that, you know, what's really important to this. And then it also drives setting up your future goals, um, setting up your budgets for the, and plans for the year. So, you know, it's like you talk about your strategic plan. That's that's a lot of what goes into your strategic plan. Okay, so here's where I want to get. I need this many people. When do I need to hire them? You know, those kinds of things. So the model is more of a one-year overall picture. It doesn't talk timing necessarily for those things because you, you, know, you have to hire people throughout the year. You're not going to get them all at once usually, <laughs> you know, nor do you want to. It would be kind of crazy right. trying to onboard that many people at once. But also, you know, maybe they need some ramp up time if they're salespeople. We can't expect that they're going to be 100% full bore. And generally, we start with a financial model. just kind of assumes everything's hunky-dory and everything's running. Everybody's on full capacity and all those kinds of things to first just see if we get there, does it work? And then we back into, okay, what's the real budget, the real timing of these kinds of steps that we want to take? Okay. So then the question becomes, how do you come up with this stuff? Like, where do you, where do you pull this information from? Right. Yeah. No, that's a great question. Um, so if we're talking about, you know, businesses have been running for a while, which typically that's who we're talking to uh, when we're looking at this. We've got some historical information to help us out, right? Uh, you know, we can take a look at what's what's the past look like, what's been going on. Um, and like we talked about before, industry information is great too, because we also want to see, you know, what the industry looks like. So we can do that whether or not we have history, right? We can still pull the industry information and use that to build the model. And then just kind of coming up with, you know, how many people we think we need, how much do we think we need to pay them? in the market, those kinds of things. So there's a lot of things input wise that go into this, but we're going to generally design it like a profit and loss statement, revenues, expenses, and then we're going to have some inputs coming, you know, from another area, um, whether it's certain software or spreadsheet, depending on what you're using, but that talks about, okay, here's our team that we need. Cause again, we're doing service-based businesses. So they're very team, you know, driven. We don't have product necessarily going on there. So the service space is like, okay, we need the team obviously to provide the service. So we build up what our team members can produce in revenue if we have those team members and, and we get that again from those KPIs and those kinds of things we've been talking about, like what should we be doing per team member? And then we also obviously have their related costs, like how much in payroll and benefits and, you know, whatever else we need to, you know, our tax burden, et cetera, in there. So that all kind of plugs in then to our profit and loss model for the business. So there's those kinds of things. And again, just overarching, you know, we gotta, if we're paying rent, if we're, you know, what are our normal expenses that we're having to deal with as well, cost of goods sold, et cetera. Okay. So when you're building one of these, are you building it from scratch in an Excel spreadsheet? Are you using a program that helps you put this together? Should you try to do this on your own? How would one go about putting one of these together? Yeah, I mean, um, there's obviously lots of different tools that you can use. There's some, you know, modeling, projection, forecasting software that you can use to do this. Um, you can use Excel spreadsheet to do it. You could start by just writing things down on paper <laughs> and thinking through stuff. I mean, um, because a lot of that, a lot of this is thinking through, right? So, you know, typically we start with, like I said, the profit and loss in some format or another, whether that's in software, we do have software for that or you know in my past history you know maybe an export of your quickbooks pnl to excel and then kind of tweaking you know what's in there for numbers and whatnot so that's you know just as far as the, how we go about it and then we tackle each 
each item kind of similarly to a budget in, in a way we tackle each line item but we're looking really specifically for the input side and what we're going to be doing you know as an overall business model not what are we doing specifically next year but if we have this ad say we want to be at uh, two million or whatever you know we'd like to get there at some point that we have to start somewhere so let's just say we're going to start with that you know maybe that's next year maybe that's three years down the line the model is the model it doesn't change you know despite all of that it's just the actual model itself so we have to start somewhere and say okay there's there's our what we'd like to get to you know at some point and then we have to figure out okay what kind of different inputs which we're going to talk about revenue staffing cost of goods sold overhead marketing and we touched on them a little bit but we're going to go more in detail on that to build up those line items on the (laughs) P&L okay so that's the best approach to take I would generally recommend that you have someone who is familiar with this process to help you work through it there's a lot of considerations you don't want to just kind of assume things um oh this is what it was last year is probably going to be the same because you want to also kind of tie it to where we're going so if we've never had two million dollars for example in there either as a new business or or just one that's trying to grow then we're not going to know how that's necessarily going to be affected we need to tie it to something we need to tie it to those kpis historical information etc okay So let's dig a little bit into the actual components of the financial model then. I know you mentioned some of them briefly, but there's some overarching components that I know we talked about. Yeah. And so if I'm repeating myself, it's good because you remember things, right? They say it takes seven times for you to remember. (laughs) I'll probably repeat a little bit of what I said earlier, but that's okay. So the revenue, um, you know, kind of is our first thing we need to be looking at. So how do we get to, you know, in our example of the $2 million, how do we get there? How many service team members do we need? Well, how do we know? Like, that's kind of the first question, right? How do we know who we need? Well, we know that based on KPIs, right? So if we're tracking our KPIs um, as a business, we can go back and figure it out if we've got some history. We also want to kind of look industry. You know, we talked before in some of our industry specific stuff, like they have information out there that says on average, each person that you that you employ can make X amount of revenues for you on average. And you can narrow that down geographically. Some areas obviously are higher cost of living, so they're going to be at higher rates and others are lower. So you can kind of narrow that down. So you want to kind of take that into consideration to say, okay, each person I employ can make me $100,000. Let's just say pick a number, right? Okay. So how many people do we need to get up? And and maybe there are different levels of people. You know, there's, um, you know, in a law firm, for example, you have partners. They're typically at different rates and have different responsibilities. So they may, you know, have different things that they're doing. And then you've got, you know, your attorneys that are not partners. Then you've got your paraprofessionals, administrative people that may have some billing. So, you know, there's kind of layers and then you have to build each layer up. And on hours and rates and or, or total per year, depending again on your business. But you build that up so that you can say, okay, here's what I was trying to get to this 2 million. What do I need there? And you also have to take into consideration things like, well, if I have partners on average, how many attorneys do I need to help work with those partners at that level? Do I need one partner per three attorneys? Or, you know, and then how many paraprofessionals do I need to support those attorneys? right? And how many administrative people do I need to support 
the firm. What roles do I need? Um, do I need an operations manager, a marketing manager, uh, HR person? So we're really looking at the overall team, you know, to get to that revenue level. And I'm kind of skewing into the staffing, but we'll talk more specific about that in a minute. But you can see how this all kind of interconnects, right? We've got to be right. at a certain level. We also have some, need support underneath that to get to that level. So, um, so that's how that revenue modeling would work. And, you know, in the service-based business, again, it's going to be mostly built on how many service people you have servicing your clients and customers. Okay. So uh, it almost sounds like revenue modeling is kind of the umbrella under which these other components kind of fall because they're all going to build into what that revenue is that you want to hit. Yeah. Right. At least in a service-based business. Yeah. Because again, it's very tied to people servicing your clients and customers, you know, and product-based business is a little different because you're selling products. So it's not quite the same. You still have some similar considerations, but. Right. Okay. So then staffing modeling, that, that was the next thing that we wanted to tackle here. Right, which is kind of where I kind of skewed because that's really the next thing we typically go to <laughs> after we're looking. You're looking at revenue because we're looking at staffing at the same time we're looking at revenue, right? Kind of back and forth there. So um, again, you know, you want to be looking at those KPIs for your uh, performance of each person. Again, how, like we talked about a little bit, how many professionals do I need per attorney to really support them well? How many administrative staff do I need in there uh, to support the whole firm? You know, what positions do I need? But, you know, looking at those kinds of things, billable hours, realization rates, et cetera, will kind of tie all into how many people do I need to get to this revenue total. So those kind of interrelate from that perspective. And then you're looking at the cost side too, right? You know, what do I need to pay typically these people, what kind of salary, what kind of benefits, what kind of mm-hmm. labor burden are we going to include for that based on, you know, where we are as a company and of required KPIs and our geographic location, all those kinds of things. So going into all of that then also ties into the cost side. What's it costing me to have these people uh, at the professional level, at the uh, administrative level, and how does that all tie into my model and pulling all that information over, right? Right. And then kind of the next two things we're going to get into also are more cost related now. We're moving kind of away from the revenue side and into the costs of doing business. And we talk about cost of goods sold or cost of sales, depending, you know, again, what business you're in and looking at that there, that can be very specific to your business. Typically outside of the staffing that we already talked about, because a lot of times staffing is included in that number, but kind of setting that aside and looking at the rest of the things that are in that area, typically that's going to go off historical percentage. What do I mean by that? I mean, the percentage that it normally costs you out of your revenue to pay for that line item, whatever it may be. So, you know, if it typically costs you 5% of your revenue to pay for that line item, we're going to tie it to our new revenue, this 2 million, right? And we're going to take 5% of the 2 million and put it there. Unless we have some other reason for doing something different. Maybe we know something in the market is increasing in price. Maybe we have a great deal that we pulled in on our vendors and it's going to go down. I mean, we want to look at each line item and say, okay, we, we think percentage is good or do we think we need to take some other things into consideration, some other KPIs that we know about. Okay. So that's very typical on the cost of goods sold side is tying it in because you know, that's not going to be typically a flat rate, right? The more business you do, the higher those costs are going to go because they're just a cost of doing business. Okay. So then you've got 
your overhead, your general administrative expenses we've talked about before. Again, setting aside the staffing component because we've already dealt with that separately. You know, we're looking at other things. We're looking at things like office rent, office supplies, you know, insurance, et cetera, things that go into it. So again, some of those can be percent, but others might be flat, right? Like rent, maybe rent's not going to change for five years. So that's zero. We don't have to tie that to our revenue because it's going to stay the same, you know? So again, we're going to look at each line item and say, okay, is this, so office supplies probably is going to tie to revenue, right? Because you typically, you know, the more more revenue you have, the more supplies you're going to go through, those kinds of things. So, you know, unless you know something different or you're going to do like a major, you know, um, overhaul or computers are going way up or something like that. And you want to, you know, maybe you've been operating on a shoestring budget in the past. So you want to put a little more money so that you're, you know, being more efficient or something like that in there. We take a look at that. So we look at the historical information or what we know. And we also look at percentage. So that's a, a couple different ways that that can change. I think also as you're going through this, especially for the first time, kind of knowing what the industry looks like is a good idea. I mean, you want to kind of consider what you've done, but you also want to consider what you should be able to do. <laughs> so industry-wise. Right. So that's always a good idea to take a look at that as well. Okay. And then I'm going to jump in here to talk about marketing modeling a bit too, because you should have a good understanding of what you're doing in the marketing department for your business. And that involves, you know, sales KPIs as far as, you know, how many leads do you need to get to convert to a final sale um, on a basic level? That's, That's what we're talking about there. You'll also want to understand what's my average revenue per customer? Um, So those are some basic sales KPIs on that side. And then when it comes to the marketing side, there's what we like to call the seven P's of marketing. And when they developed these, they were really developed for more of a product-based business, but we can translate those over to service. So the first P, and they, you know, they did this so that they would all fall under P's to make it easy for us marketing folks, right? (laughs) So (laughs) the first P is product. You can just replace that with service. If your product is a service, you know, that's what that is. So what are you selling? Yep. The second P is price. Obviously, you should be looking at your industry. How are you selling yourself? What, What price point are you selling? You know, are you a cost leader? Are you... Uh, more quality, high end, you know, you can figure out what works for your business and your service. Right. The the third is place. And that's where your products or services are seen. You know, where, where are people? Um, so not where my office is. No, <laughs> like, you know, no that comes later. That comes later. People are like place. Yeah. Like if you're going to be here. Uh, <laughs> no, where are you going to be visible to the public marketing thinking, right? Put your marketing cap on. Okay. Right, right. Um, And then the next one is people. And this is going to come back to the staffing discussion that we had earlier, because when we're talking about the people aspect of our marketing model, we want to make sure that we're bringing people on who can represent our company and our brand in the way that we want to be represented, right? We want to make sure that they're knowledgeable, experienced, and can communicate effectively to our ideal clients, meaning that they're comfortable with the industry that we're trying to market to, or we're they're comfortable talking about the services that we have to offer. So that's that's a big component of making sure that you have the right people that you're bringing on. So again, this is all very interrelated, and you know we're looking specifically at the marketing model right now, but the components are are very similar. Right. 
Promotion is the next one. And that is how are you promoting your services? What are you choosing? What uh, channels are you choosing to promote your services? Are you promoting through your website? Are you promoting through physical locations? Are you promoting through radio, TV? You know, there's so many different avenues that you can check there. Next one is processes, and that's internal processes. Do you have your processes in place for your marketing department? Um, How are you grabbing uh, attention of your target market? How are you moving them toward the sales process? There's a lot of different processes that you need within that marketing model. And then the last one is, as you mentioned, physical evidence. I think this one's always thrown me off. And (laughs) Again, they wanted to fit it into this P. So I, you know, people hear about this. They're like, "What is physical evidence?" Is a marketing P. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, we're not a detective. Like, why? What do we need physical evidence for? Um, But this is really what your client is experiencing. So. If you do have an office, that would be the physical evidence. Like, do your physical features communicate? what you want to communicate as a business. Is your office nice and inviting? Is it communicating the culture of your business? And you know it's easiest in that example, but you could be completely online. And right. maybe you send out cards every every year. Maybe you send out a gift every year. Maybe you, you know, anything that the client is physically experiencing, you want to make sure that that's a part of your overall marketing strategy. Yeah. And it kind of sounds like, I mean, to me, when you describe it a little bit, even though, you know, they talk about like physical, physical, um, it also sounds a little bit like having, you know, um, just that, that consistency in your marketing, the consistency, mm-hmm. you know, in how your culture is, you know, just kind of, uh, even though, you know, these days it may not be physical, physical, but, you know, to me, it kind of says just, just being, having that consistent message and making sure people know who you are and those kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. You really want an integrated approach among all of these. You want to take a look at all of the the model of your marketing as a whole and make sure that everything's integrated and you're not communicating one message over here and another, you know, in a completely different place. You want to make sure it's all tied together. Right. And that's, that's the big part of, of your marketing modeling. Right. And looking at that, in tying it into your financial model, there's a couple things so just kind of to circle it back to what does that have to do with our financial modeling? <laughs> there's a couple mm-hmm. things to consider. We've got, first of all, we just picked this random $2 million number, right? Like out of our heads or wherever it came from. So it's all great and dandy to pick that number, but is it realistic? Like, can we truly right. put in the marketing efforts and pay out the marketing money and whatnot? So we need to be coming back full circle. That's that's still part of this model. Like we have to be realistic to looking at that. Um, so you know, overall your financial model is going to change as time goes on, but it's really a structure of the overall business and it drives the budget. So it's one of those things that you have to be like, okay, so you know, if I'm looking at a financial model of this sustain to sustain the size, right? Is this sustainable? You have to look at that also and you have to look at how much money it does that take in different industries and maybe different you know uh, you know we want to look at percentage again um typically of the industry and then we're going to look at okay does that percentage really reasonable to what i think i would have to do to sustain this level of revenue right to get there and sustain it so that's exactly. so yeah. that's the other piece and how it kind of ties back in there um and you can see how so much of this 
could tie into your strategic planning. Like there's so much strategic thinking around creating this model. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we use it, right, for, okay, here's this model. Yes, we're sustainable. We're getting the profit percentage that we want using this model. Again, it's a model, right? And then we want to drive our budget for the next year, next three years, et cetera, off this model. Because, again, this model is just assuming, you know, it, to keep it relatively simple, you know, we're just assuming everybody's full full capacity, everything's running dandy, you know, those kinds of things. But it takes some doing to get there. So this is, you know, this is a 12-month annual picture. But your typical 12 months not going to look exactly like that, right? Because things t- take time. Right. Things come in at different points, et cetera. So if we say, okay, this is our three-year, you know, model, because, again, it's it's not necessarily a budget it's just where we want to maybe be in three years but it's an overall model like we could apply it to any we could apply it to one year two year three years different revenues it's a model that builds into that okay so i don't want to confuse people like well how is that ever in a budget because it is <laughs> it's, this is the model we use to create all these futuristic plans and budgets and things like that so let's just say okay this is our next year model because we've taken our model and we've tweaked it to be what we kind of want to see going on next year to see what our inputs need to be to get there so then we know okay yeah we're at this level of staffing in order to get to this next level we need to hire four people okay when when are we then we go into when are we going to hire those people from a strategic perspective and a plan setting up our goals and rocks for that year and also from a budgeting perspective and cash flow okay this is when we're adding them in so typically you don't add a revenue generating position and expect that they're going to generate that revenue in the first month because <laughs> they have to get trained right. they have to get you know it takes a while so then we need to look at what's that KPI like how typically how long before somebody is up and running 3 months you know, whatever that might be. And we have to kind of budget the revenue to increase over those three months till their full capacity, et cetera. But the costs, obviously, we have to also put in when we hire them. So so you can see how an actual budget for the year is going to be based maybe on this financial model for the year, but it's not going to reflect exactly what the financial model says, right? Right. Okay. So once you've built a model, and you've got it, you know, everything's running smoothly, you can plan, you can use that for budgeting, strategic planning, all of these different things that you can use this tool for. Is there ever a time where you would revisit that or absolutely. revise it? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, the first time you create a model, you're doing it off your best knowledge of things and that uh, there's probably going to be things you didn't think about. <laughs> first time you do it right things you didn't think you know maybe or your things that end up differently than you thought etc so you don't want to just kind of stick your head in the sand with your financial model I mean you want to make sure it still continues to work and is realistic in what's actually going on so you know hopefully you know after a couple years or so of using the financial model you're going to nail a lot of those things that maybe need to be changed in the model um and then you just have to kind of keep an eye on it. Like what makes sense is there's some major change in the industry that you have to pull into your model and change your model. So you just want to, you know, be using it actively and then adjust it, you know, as something major changes, or maybe you made a major change in your business that changed your software. You got a better software deal. You went into the cloud. You don't have to host a server anymore, you know, whatever, you know, there could be some major change that could affect it. So you do want to, you know, make sure that it's not a, you know, set in stone thing, but it shouldn't be like, 
constantly changing like, either you know it should be something that's relatively once you get it set it's it stays pretty good you want to keep an eye on it but I mean your budget's always changing right every year um and it's revisited throughout the year um your model typically is not you know you might you would probably revisit it once or twice a year depending on how you do your strategic planning but that's just really more to look at what's your future you know where you're going that kind of stuff so so I always offer before we wrap up this episode, is there anything you'd like to leave listeners with when it comes to financial modeling? Yeah, I think that just you want to make sure that you're set up setting yourself up for success, whether you're you know been in business for a while or not. This financial model, you know, you it may sound like, well, I'm running a profitable business. What do I really need that for? You know, you really should take a look at what it would look like for your business, especially if you can do it with an advisor or somebody who's done it before, because it can really change your perspective on things and it can really help you clarify what you need to do as a business to get where you want to go. Like we just talked about all those inputs. It helps you to know, okay, I really need to be looking at this number of people. I need to, you know, be expecting this level of things administratively, what have you. It just really uh, helps with that oversight of your business and just kind of that standing back and looking at it from the top down. Great. Well, thank you so much as expected. I know I learned a ton and I hope you all did too. And if you are interested in talking to somebody about getting a financial model put together, feel free to reach out to us. We are happy to discuss that with you and help. We can be reached at pjscpas.com. You can book a consultation right there or give us a phone call 844-475-7272. Thanks so much for joining us. Keep that momentum going and we will see you next time. This has been another episode of the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please subscribe, rate, and review. Gain access to additional free resources and learning opportunities by visiting pjscpas.com forward slash podcast.